Listen up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Listen Up, the Louisville Urban League's radio show and podcast. My name is Lyndon Pryor. I'm the interim president and CEO of the Louisville Urban League. Thank you for joining us here this week. Again, you can catch us every week uh, live on the radio, WLLV, 101.9 FM, 12.40 AM. The show airs on Thursdays, 12 to 12.30 PM, or you can catch us anytime. Wherever you get your favorite podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate us, review us, let us know what you think of pod. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have had a wonderful week. Um, summer has kicked off uh, to just a really lovely start around the city. The weather's been great. I hope you've been able to get out and enjoy it. Um, we are recording this podcast um, a little early this week and so I don't know if news has hit yet around um, some pending rulings from the affirmative action case but do know that the league um, will have some updates and some response around those things when they hit but otherwise I hope that you have had a safe and blessed week and that all is well with you and your family. This week we've got another um, very special guest, um, someone who is a wonderful friend uh, of the league um, and just an amazing person, Mr. Uh, excuse me, um, Miss Elisha Durrett Johnson, who is the founder and CEO of Begin to Talk. Um, you probably hear her um, on the radio sometimes. She does a weekly show uh, with Miss Bella Ray. Um, and you can see her out all over the place um, as well as across social media. But for us, uh, she is special because she is leading our mental health work through a path forward for Louisville. Um, and we are doing lots of exciting things there. But we're going to talk just a little bit as we do. So, Alicia, how are you? Welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So glad to have you here. This is going to be fun. Um, because we never stay on time when I get in the room to talk. <laughs> never. Um, so who knows how long this podcast okay. is about. Um, but we're going to talk about all the things. All the um, things. We've Let's got go. lots of, certainly we've got programmatic things that we mm-hmm. need to let people to know about. But we're going to talk about so much more than that. So, but let's start where we always start on the show, okay. which is, uh, I really don't do much in the way of intros. I like for people to tell us about themselves. So give us the quick and dirty on who you are, how you came to be um, in this space of uh, mental health and healing. But what got you there? So, yes, my name is Alicia Dara Johnson. Um, I am the CEO of Begin to Talk LLC. Um, right. I was like, that is the loaded question. Like the whole thing, like tell me all the things in a short version. And I'm looking at you like, oh, okay. Um, no, I'm the CEO of Begin to Talk LLC, where we really focus on counseling, our cultural change consulting and, um, community outreach, the three C's, right? So we really, um, focus in on that, um, within our mental health counseling, um, we, focus um we have a heavy focus on excuse, we have a heavy focus um on um helping our folks just understand this whole thing 
about self-care and um, really understanding um, anxiety and depression and mental health concepts that really connect back to our daily lives, understanding that um, the things that we go through, um, understanding how to move forward. So I help a lot of um, folks, and I cater to all folks, but the majority of my clientele are black. Um, and so, yeah. So that's what we do um, on the counseling side. On the consulting, we really partner with large businesses and organizations and some small businesses and organizations as well. Um, And we have a cultural change model where we're able to go in and understand the need of the organization and then provide them with um, the programming or um, any kind of services that they are going to need to meet their goal to improve um, or change their culture or climate in their organization or business. In addition, we have community outreach, uh, where we have partnered with some folks, even uh, Bespoke Global Health Initiatives, and uh, we went over to Sierra Leone, where we have um, really developed some programming and some mental health programming with the girls. Um, it's a group over there that really deal with um, multiple um girls in different settings, um, in different school settings, and we were able to provide and produce a book for them, right? Um, I Am Me, um, Book of Affirmations, and then also um, some other programming as well. So that's exciting. We're able to do that at least once yearly. We're able to do that. So we do a lot, um, but that is, in essence, what Begin to Talk is. Now, we can. you're going to have to ask me specific questions only foundational stuff because you it was a loaded one yo you was like just tell me all the things in a short amount of time and with the long-winded person professional (laughs) resume which which is great people need to know and we we appreciate that we'll talk about some of that stuff but where are you from (laughs) ah okay so um see that's what i said you got to be specific okay so um so i am born in i am born in louisville kentucky i was raised in odom county in peewee valley kentucky um, as well. So I did the whole South Odom Middle School, High School, Crestwood Elementary type thing, but we lived on the borderline of Odom and Jefferson for the longest time. Um, so we were right there. And um, now I live in Jefferson County. And how long have you been back in Jefferson? I've been back in Jefferson County for some years now. Um, <laughs> it's not, not too long. It's not too long, but long enough for my, my kids to be in school. And <laughs> Trying to go through school, so at least a couple of years, right? So we've been back and forth. Um, at least uh, I think it's the past what six, six, seven years. So um, let's talk about uh, kind of some of the stuff we've got going on now in mm-hmm. partnership with you and begin to talk and, and some of the the health work. And so most folks know in 2020 the league along with partners all across the city, mm-hmm. um, black leaders, black led organizations, uh, drafted and submitted a path forward for Louisville, mm-hmm. uh, which really set out to address a number of different issues. Um, obviously on the heels of the killing of Brian Taylor and David McAtee, mm-hmm. um, really seeking to, to, uh, to outline a path and, and seek resources so that we can, effectively control our own destiny, right? Absolutely. That the times um, at that time showed that, you know, folks of, of power and privilege just really 
weren't committed or interested um, or effective um, at, at acting in the best interest of black Louisvillians. And so mm-hmm. that, that plan, um, that demand was born, and we've continued to build it out um, since then. And it covered all of the areas that we talk about with the league, jobs, justice, education, health, housing, black business. Mm-hmm. But we've been able over the subsequent years to kind of drill down on some of those areas. And one of those obviously being mental health, because we recognize that between the pandemic, between all of the civil unrest and everything that was happening, that there was absolutely no way that we could do this work and not talk about the mental health uh, impacts on black people. Absolutely. In city. Um, and so... Obviously, you were engaged in some of that work before we kind of started to drill down. But then Mm -hmm. as we got to that place, um, you know, we we turned to you and you kind of raised your hand and said, like, hey, I want to help do this work. What was your thought, right? Like, particularly in the heat of that, of thinking about, like, how we should or how we can serve black people, Mm -hmm. particularly um, through this mental health lens? Yeah, so um, just like any other community model that we would turn around and utilize, we would utilize the same within our own. Um, Before you go and build anything for a community, you have to understand the pulse of the community, what they need in their community. You got to ask the community. You got to get their involvement. You have to get their buy-in. You have to do all of those types of things before you can do that because within mental health, we understand the stigma that comes along with health in general, um, the mistrust that comes along with our community because we have been mistreated for so long that that has produced very high um, very high levels of mistrust in general, right, um, within systems. So we understand that mental health is another system, and it's another system that um, has, <clears throat> just like all other systems, has really kind of ignored the needs um of our black folks. And so when we are talking about, okay, what is it that we need and, and, and devising programs and everything else, before we even did that, we had to understand, like, where are we? Right. Where are we? And we had to understand that the level of not just mistrust, but the level of trauma and community trauma that we have um, been feeling all this time. And it's an increased um, ripped the whole bandaid off in 2020 plus. Right. Um, So with that, we had to understand where we were before we could move forward. And I think, you know, we the word trauma particularly as of late, probably in the last several years, I think Mm -hmm. it's really become common. Yeah. Um, But I think it's also interesting is that there are different ways to think about trauma, and I don't think we always really consider there is individual trauma, something Mm -hmm. that actually happens to Mm -hmm. you, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. as an individual, to you Mm -hmm. as a person. Um, There is trauma that may happen to somebody you are in close proximity to, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Intimate. Absolutely. Remember, friend, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But then there's kind of like this, this, and I don't know if we call it collective trauma mm-hmm. or community trauma. Community trauma. Things that happen mm-hmm. that may not necessarily be in proximity. It may mm-hmm. not necessarily be to somebody you mm-hmm. know, but mm-hmm. it's these things that happen out in the ether that absolutely impact mm-hmm. who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, for us, you know, that is David Mack TV. Mm-hmm. That is Breonna Taylor. Absolutely. Um, that is... 
you know, George Floyd mm-hmm. is being killed. Like Absolutely. All of these things that are happening. That Across the country, in our happening. backyard, it doesn't matter. Exactly. They still are impacting us. And so how do we, do you find that it is still, um, that people still have an, a difficulty in recognizing, like, the impact of trauma, particularly community trauma, mm-hmm. on them personally? Um, I would say yes and no. I would say um, that we don't understand the long-term effects. We don't understand how it may influence how we are feeling that day, right? And that's just because we've been very conditioned to just go, right? We've been conditioned to just keep going, and that's what COVID did. COVID kind of like ripped that whole Band-Aid and made everybody in the world slow down. And when you slow down, you pay attention. And so people started paying attention then to the weight of um, this community trauma and whatnot. Because when you talk about individual trauma, it's easier to talk about that because it's something that happened to you, just like you said, right? If it's something that you witnessed that that happened with someone else, it's still something that is indirectly impacting you. But community trauma also um, indirectly impacts you and directly impacts you, very much so because it is related to your level of oppression, If you really think about our levels of oppression, right, if you think about you as a black man, right, you have a level of oppression as a black male, right? Um, And then with me as a black woman, I have um, a level of oppression not only as black, but also as a woman, correct? Okay, and then if we have, we add um, someone that is a part of LGBTQ plus in there, right? And they so happen to be a woman or self or was born woman and self-identify as something else, then that means that is a third layer of oppression. Not only they are black, not only are they a woman or um, born woman, but they are also um, a part of a group that is oppressed as well as far as LGBTQ+. So when you see things that are related, right, and that happen in the community, especially with Breonna Taylor, that was a black woman that was killed by the police that were supposed to protect our community. So as that, that, that struck not just um, her own family, but our whole community because we see black women, right? I am a black woman. So I just, just, just looking at it, just thinking about it, just remembering my visceral reaction to it and my very emotional reaction to it, right? Um, That in an essence is community trauma because it is related directly back to your own or someone that you know. Right. So it is all levels. And it's not saying that other people can't be sympathetic or anything like that, that are not. Um, However, when it comes to being when it comes to trauma. Right. um, I don't think we really look at it in that lens. And I I mean, I think because what you're describing there is intersectionality. Right. Yes, absolutely. All all of these different identities that um, that intersect and come into place. And there and there is reason to believe like there are people who are not black. Mm-hmm. Who or are not women who also could have been traumatized? Oh, absolutely. You have, you have a daughter, mm-hmm. or you have people who are you know who are in that situation, and so there are ways in which you may. Or you're just human. To, yeah, you're just <laughs> human. you're just able to relate and connect. Yes. in that way, and I think that's important for people mm-hmm. to recognize. But I, I raise the question about whether or not you feel like people are starting to understand um, this because I think about particularly for us as a people. Um, and the barriers that we often or the obstacles to getting us to help 
Mm -hmm. um, particularly when we talk about mental health and mm -hmm. well-being in that space, like there is certainly stigma, um, and we we can talk about that, and that's been a long drawn out thing as to whether or not you know do you even need you know to talk to somebody and that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. That being mm -hmm. the thing that black people do and all that. Mm -hmm. There's that piece, but then there's also this piece of even if you believe that that's okay, mm -hmm. if you've come to believe like yes, you know we should get help when we need mm -hmm. it. Sometimes it's hard to recognize that if I haven't suffered individual trauma mm -hmm. or I haven't been personally witnessed mm -hmm. trauma, to come to the recognition that, but I still may have been traumatized, that mm -hmm. I still may be processing or have some mm -hmm. unprocessed mm -hmm. trauma in me because of what's happened communally, because of what's happened mm -hmm. generationally, mm -hmm. those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I just wondered to what extent we are getting better at accepting the fact that Trauma doesn't always have to happen directly to mm -hmm, you in mm -hmm. order for it to sit in you and to cause, have an impact on your well-being. Mm -hmm. um, it's something I always go back to COVID because it's the thing that people understand more so than their own. Mm -hmm. Right. And so with COVID, um, anxiety went up about 600 percent nationwide and depression went up, um, I think, 800 um, percent nationwide. Right. So that meant that it is it is quite possible that it is now abnormal to be normal, right? Like, what is normal anyway? But even if we were to say that, whatever your baseline is, it's, it is abnormal to be normal. So that means that everybody is going through something, some level of something, some level of anxiety of how their future um, may or may not um, turn out, right? Um, and then also trapped in the past with depression or having depression because of certain things going on as far as the increased loss of loved ones and um understanding like just to grieve what you thought life may be mm -hmm. right um so if when i say that i the reason why i'm saying that i think that people because of that there has been this slowing down of things during covid now everything started to speed back up right we we, we sped back up we didn't hit the go button right and we, we back in the office or you know back in person we're not using masks like we used to you know anything like that but um but when we slowed down like that, it was a recognition of, wait a second, I'm not okay. I have been having an increased amount of people, and particularly black people, come through my doors and be like, look, listen, I'm not okay. And it's something, and I can't put my finger on it. And I, and I, I don't know what exactly what it is. Like, I've tried to account for it. I try to work out. I've tried to do all these things, but I'm just not good. And so I think the recognition of that has increased, but we've got to, we have a long way to go. Absolutely. And so it's interesting you bring that up because mm -hmm. you mentioned you mentioned grief, and I I was talking to somebody else mm -hmm. on the podcast, and um, you know I've had this thought that I that has kind of sat with me, or you know, particularly around the pandemic, and I think. Um, we lost a lot of things mm -hmm. there. And oftentimes when we think about this concept of grief, mm -hmm. we're, we think about like people passing away. And obviously mm -hmm. that, is a, that is a real thing, like mm -hmm. you know, the actual loss of a life in some ways. But I think something else happened, and I would love mm -hmm. your feedback on this, is um, particularly, and it happens all the time, but particularly during the pandemic, I mm -hmm. think there was there was the loss of a whole lot of other things, mm -hmm. right? Like losses of opportunity. There were mm -hmm. these things 
that you were going to mm -hmm. do, that you had plans mm -hmm. to do. And it and it sounds some some of that may sound trivial, but you it's know, there not. Was, there yeah. was the vacation you were going to take. Yeah. There were the people you were going to go see. Yeah. There was the job you were going to take. Yeah. Right? There's the like, future that is now altered. Right. And mm -hmm. then, you know, like I think about in my own in mm -hmm. my own life, mm -hmm. like my my child mm -hmm. started school in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. like she started school online, and so yeah. there were these ideas of like what it was going to be like to take her to kindergarten for the very first time mm -hmm. and all of these things, right? Like the vacations, the, the other, yeah. all the things. I had kids that, that didn't even graduate from, from, right. from, like, um, you know, from eighth grade and whatnot. Right. right. And so those are things that were lost, mm -hmm. right? Like they were taken from, mm -hmm. um, uh, and there is, I feel like there is value or a need mm -hmm to figure out how you grieve an idea, mm -hmm. right? Like, how do you actually do that? And I don't, and I don't know, I don't have mm -hmm. the answer, but mm -hmm. it's something that has sat with me for the last few years mm -hmm. about like, there are all these things that mm -hmm. were lost mm -hmm. and, and nobody has really talked about how do you process that, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. cause nobody wants to sound insensitive to be like, oh, well that's not like a life or mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But it's just like, that doesn't make it any less real. Mm -mm. <laughs> Very much so. Much so. Very much so. I, don't know, I wonder how you how you think about that. You know, particularly from the vantage point that you you have as, mm -hmm. a, as a counselor and a therapist. So that's a that's like a two part answer. Okay, so I'll I'll give a context and then we'll go like directly into the answer. All right. So my grandmama, right? Um, I turned forty this year. We'll, we'll, on my fourth birthday tour, maybe we'll get to it. Maybe we yeah, won't. Mm -hmm. um, but um, my grandmother was born in 1906, and that is not um, normal for someone that is 40, right? Um, <clears throat> normally, it's, there's a whole generational gap there, right? <laughs> it's like, hold on, wait a second. But my mom was born in 1944, right? And my dad was born in 1942. So most folks like our age, like that's their, gran their grandparents, right? And so um, I had an older family. And my grandmama, she used to have this old gas stove, right? And she used to cook on the back of this old gas stove. And I think you have heard me say this in a, in a general sense, but I say it everywhere I go. She used to have this pot on the back of her stove. And she used to keep um, a small level of water in the pot during certain times of year. And she would um, boil or have the water on simmer, constant simmer. And sometimes that water didn't have nothing in it. And sometimes the water had some herbs in it and whatnot, right? Um, help clear sinuses because we in this good old Ohio Valley. <laughs> um, but I didn't understand, you know, why she had that pot. And I used to always try to go next to the pot, and she'd be like, never your mind, you know, back on up, <laughs> just like that. Um, and I, But when I think about people and I think about the people that we serve, I think about the people that come to my door, I think about just human beings in general. I, we all come in, we all have a pot, and we all have a simmer. We all have the things that have happened to us in our childhood, um, things that have formulated our worldview, the way that we think about this world through our lens. Um, it's the same world that we all live in, but it's completely different for some people, right? Um, and that's the reality of it. And so 
that formulates our worldview. So when I think about things like COVID, when I think about things like civil unrest, when I think about the murder of Breonna Taylor and um, David McAtee, and when I think about um, all of those different things, all the things that you're talking about having to grieve, right? Not just people that we throw in the pot, but grief of, of the ideas of things, understanding there's sudden change and loss of jobs. There's certain change and loss of vacation and activities with, with loved ones. There's these pivotal transitional moments in our lives that we're supposed to be able to celebrate all together. And now we cannot, you know, in all of these different forms and fashions and not under, not with taking all of that. And if, when that, Gets all thrown in that pot. You go from a simmer to a boil, yo. You 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 boiling. You not simmering. Cause see, the thing is, we have learned either if it's healthy or unhealthy how to deal with the stuff we come in with. We've learned how to press that down in some way, right? But the thing is, when you boiling, it's almost like apple cider vinegar. You know the, that nasty crap that people like to drink. I don't know what why y'all do that. But there's this mother at the bottom of the apple cider. And when you shake it up, can you separate the mother from the rest of the drink? You can't. So it's the same thing when you're boiling, right? The things that you come in with and the things that are happening all at the same time are boiling. It's just all together, right? So it's not just the fact that this one person has cut you off in traffic. It's the fact that they have <laughs> you have gotten cut off in traffic for the umpteenth daggone time, right? And now I'm boiling, right? And so that it's, it's different. Um, so when I see people and I think about them, they're coming in at that level, right? Okay, so now let's take it back. When you're talking about like the recognition and understanding, people people really don't understand when trauma and this whole thing and the grief of stuff, right? Because um, personally, <clears throat> I I lost my husband in 2019, right? And so when I did, and I. When I lost um, my husband in, in 19, um, that was in the middle of, of a lot of different loss for me because I just lost my mother in 16. And then after that, or during that time, my sister had got diagnosed with stage four cancer and I lost her in 21. And so there are certain levels of like just my future, my everything, trying to figure it out for my family because essentially I buried my entire immediate family. Right. So it's just me and my and my children and how what does forward now look like? Because having to grieve that was and is um, very difficult to transition to figure out, understanding that the life that I thought that we were going to have, right? The grief of the fact that I, that we can't um, do certain things as a family. The and the things that, you know, the looks in my children's eyes, you know, all of that type of stuff that I can't necessarily heal from them, understanding that forward now looks different um, for our entire family forever. And when I think about that and I think about boiling and the pot that we come in with, I that is how I conceptualize folks around just everyone, Right. Because we're now understanding that's a level of grief. Yes, I did lose people, but it wasn't just the people that I lost. No, it was the idea of what was going to happen, the future, the, the, the everything, the hope 
that you had attached to life that was gone. And so you had to understand, well, okay, what what is it that this looks like? So figuring that out along the way, Lord have mercy, I had to have both God and a therapist. So your community therapist got a therapist. Stop playing. I ain't going to tell you to do nothing I don't do. Okay? Okay. All right. Let me go back. So (laughs) that's that's the whole point there is that not saying that we can't move forward, but that forward now looks different. And so since forward now looks different, that also means that you get to control your forward. You get to now understand that you can build something new to move forward. So when I think about that, is you're talking about people like arbitrary. It's not arbitrary because, like, not having, like, a graduation is a big thing, right? We got kids right now, our pandemic kids, our, our what, 10th and 11th graders, right? They had a lot of transitions in school. We could go back and talk to JCPS about all this, these kids once they actually came back in person, right? Because there weren't transitions. Transitions and having those are extremely important in life because it prepares us for the next level, whatever it is we're going into. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I see it. I see. I, so when I, they tell me all these kids wowing out, no, these kids didn't have transitions. Yeah. They, they kind of got robbed of some things along the way, too. And we expect these kids to just, and that's it, right? Just fall back in line. And they too are grieving, right? Like they too are they, grieving. They are grieving, and we don't, yes. we don't understand mm-hmm. what that is. Mm-hmm. Because again, we tend to look at them and be like, "But you ain't losing nobody. Mm-hmm. Like that. Like mm-hmm. so saying, what you mean you grieve? Mm-hmm. It's just like no. There is there are different mm-hmm. ways to understand this mm-hmm. and how we, and as well as how to process mm-hmm. um, this stuff. And so we've got to. Think more broadly mm-hmm. um, and more boldly about how we understand, you know, life and how we do do these things. And as mm-hmm. you said, how these transitions in life are absolutely um, important. Um, and so you you talk about you know kind of your own journey, mm-hmm. and, and you know you just you talked about you hit this milestone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's fair to say that you've been fairly public about kind of your own yeah, personal absolutely. about how, yeah. um, you know, the loss and the grief mm-hmm. and all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think I know you well enough to say, like, it's still a work in progress. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> no, this ain't, no, this is an ING journey. <laughs> this is not a healed. I, I, don't, I don't even like ED. Like, it's like, no, no, love. This is ING. This is the journey that we're figuring out. And how are you and how do you go through? How do you process through? Um, well, I have both God and a therapist, thank God. Um, so that's one thing. But then the other thing is a celebration of life. So, like, my husband um, passed away when he was 40. And so I used to say that all I want to do is just make it to 41, right? Um, I just want to make it to 41. I just want my kids to have a parent until – because I have, I have older children. I have an 18-year-old, 16-year-old. I have – Six-year-old twins, it'll be seven. Um, and then I have extended um, children as well. So I raised nine, right? And they really want to get into the weeds, right? My oldest is 25. <laughs> and go all the way down. But um, 
when I really just um, I look at that, I understand that like there's a celebration of life. I remember like when Juwan turned 40, that was right after we got married. And so like, look, if y'all if anybody's been married after you get married, you go through this like broke season. <laughs> Because you done dumped all your money into this every every festivity, right? About, like, being married and whatnot. So he turned 40 right after. And I remember, like, we, we still celebrated, but not in the way I wanted to. I wanted to throw him a party and all those different things. And I was like, oh, it's okay. We'll just go. We'll just do it next year, right? And he didn't get to make it to 41. And so for me, that was big. That was really big because I wasn't able to celebrate him in the way that I wanted to. And so this year I was like, you know what, I'm going to have a 40th birthday party. And then it got like postponed to another day and all these different things. And I was like, you know what, we going on tour. So I created an entire 40th birthday tour. Right. And so every weekend of June, starting my birthday was the first. You know, I got to start the whole month off. You feel me? To the 30th. We got different acti- different events, different activities. I didn't turn around and shout out to Nicole Bartlett at the Louisville Salt Cave. I love you. I promise you she made space for me and my friends to come in and sit, you know, like around that. And then and that was on my birthday or no, the day after my birthday. I was on the second. And then um, on the third, I had a birthday dinner at Jeff Ruby's with some powerful black women. Um, and so we all had that. And then um, last weekend, you know, we were trying to see if Miami was going to push through. Lord, have mercy. But we went to Miami. We had a little Fort Lauderdale <laughs> escape <laughs> and was like, OK, we're going to be out here for the NBA finals. It was still lit. It was still turning up. And then like this weekend we have. Um, I uh, GVO, which is Grown Vibes Only. I think it's with like Quality Culture, Dasha um, Barbers. They have a party um, 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. That's the turn-up party. Look, y'all, your community therapist is a whole professional, but this weekend I will be turning up. Um, but next weekend, <laughs> um, we're really um, honed in on like self-care and whatnot and making sure that we are giving back to our community because I really... Um, I, that's one thing that's really big for me is to give back. And so we do have our healing block party we'll get to. Um, and so that is next weekend. And then at the end of the month on the 30th, we just got a new office space, yo. 802 Stone Creek Parkway. Yes, I'm going to plug myself. Unit 2. Um, and um, we have a nice office space. And um, I'm really proud of that. And we're going to have an open house from 4 to 7. So it's a ter- it's a it's a celebration, but you know it's a forty celebration. We ain't we ain't turn we ain't lit lit, but we 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 halfway. You feel me? <laughs> but I mean those celebrations, like I think that's that's important. Cause yeah. I, I can remember. Um, I guess it wasn't that too long ago. Like there was <laughs> there's this old thread, on uh, somebody posted on on the Twitter about like you know why y'all celebrate your birthdays all on. And it's mm-hmm. one of those things where it's just like number one, um, and and I will say that I, I I've always enjoyed you know birthdays generally. Mm-hmm. But actually, in the poem, me and my wife, she's really big on celebrating birthdays. Mm-hmm. Particularly for her, it's because she's like, you know, Frederick Douglass didn't know when he was born. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he just mm-hmm. had to pick a date because mm-hmm. he didn't actually know when he was. And mm-hmm. so it's like honoring mm-hmm. the fact that you know. Um, day of your birth like that. Yeah, our ancestors were stripped of our identity and we got ours. Absolutely. Come on with it. And so there's that. But just celebrations in general, and I think mm-hmm. your story is illustrative of this. It's mm-hmm. like 
folks need to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Like it is not just about mm-hmm. some, mm-hmm. you know, narcissistic, self-centered type Mm-mm. of thing. Sometimes this is a process mm-hmm. of, and a pathway to healing, right? Like Absolutely. This is what I have to do. This is what I have to, to do. Get to mm-hmm. the next space. And, so and it's gonna, important because I got people looking at me, right? right? And it ain't just, I'm not talking about community, I'm talking about my kids. My kids are looking at me. My kids are understanding how I move forward is how they going to move forward. Mm-hmm. So I have a responsibility to celebrate. I have a responsibility to live. I have a responsibility to show them how to do it because one day I ain't going to be here. And when I'm not here, how are they going to deal with it, right? How are they going to deal with this life and understanding that and teaching their kids? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. modeling joy. I'm I telling you. Is Listen, an incredible <laughs> lesson for yes. us to teach people. Like, how absolutely, do you model joy. It's hard, you know. You it's hard to model that because joy and happiness comes with living. Yeah. And a lot of us have been in survival mode for so daggone long, and so you can't survive and live at the same time. You just can't. That's a whole nother conversation, bro. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm serious. You can't. You can't survive and live in the same. Time you either were doing one or the other, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Some people believe that that is what we have to do is like you survive to live, but it is no. You are mm-hmm. really doing one or, or the, the other. other. It is not. It's not. It's, it's not, not in the same. Both, and it is not necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I guess there. I guess there's an argument that could be made that there are seasons in your life where it's just like. I need to survive mm-hmm. this through that. Like, life be lifing. Yeah, Stuff is, happens. We have true. to re- we have to go into certain things. But when we are talking about moving forward, what our forward looks like, it can't be from a lens of survival. Mm-hmm. Because you'll never go there. You'll never make it. Like if you really think about it, when I when I was in survival mode, I was not thinking about living. My creativity was stifled. I couldn't come up with one idea, and I'm the queen of ideas. I couldn't come up with one idea. I couldn't come up with one way to make anything stick. I couldn't think about anything but what was right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I could only deal with that. And when you're like that, you're in survival mode. You're not necessarily living. That's different. That's happiness. That's peaceful. That's joy. And that don't come with surviving. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah. 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 It's a constant stress when you are in survival mode. Mm-hmm. I want to, we are going to get to the end of the black party, but I want to go back to, you talked about some of the work that you're doing um, or have been able to do mm-hmm. here alone. And mm-hmm. I wonder for you if that's given you some perspective. And I, I just am curious about your insight on what does mental health and self-care look like in other places, right? Because I also think that there is a uniqueness to the black experience in America. Absolutely. Obviously. There's a what whole way we are spoiled. Okay. <laughs> There's a whole way in which... We deal with things, what has happened to us, what trauma looks like, how we experience it, all of that sort of stuff. Therefore, how we handle it and have been allowed to handle it over time has been impacted and all that sort of stuff. So I I, I just wonder, like, clearly everybody got problems and everybody needs self-care from the world over. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder what that experience is like for you to go and see, like, how are folks, particularly how are they processing 
Is it similar? Is it different? So it's a, yeah, yeah. So it's important. It was important for me when I visited Africa. I'm so glad that I did not go over there first as a tourist, mm-hmm. right? That when we went over there. Um, it's a global health mission, right? So it was like a mission trip, and they had a. They had a um, the part of that was mental health, but the first part was health. They had a whole health clinic we serviced, and I had to put my CNA hat back on. Like, literally, I'm taking blood pressure the whole nine because we serviced over 750 people in one day. Mm-hmm. And then, we, you know, like a, a, the day later, or I think it was like two days later, we had the mental health um, program with the girls, you know, and everything else. So when, when, I, when you say, look, there is poverty, I have seen poor. Okay, and then there's poor. I don't, I don't like the the level of humbleness that you feel that you see, right? When we don't cross over, we you know like having paved roads is like a luxury, <laughs> right? Um, there are certain times in the month that we don't even go over there because it's nothing but mud because there there's like their springtime is our summertime, right? Um, and they only have two seasons, you know, spring and summer, right? Um, but the the level of resources, the lack of resources that are there versus over here, even though we have systems that are completely oppressed and they have the same colonized systems that are still there set in place, right? Um or you still see the after effects or the effects of colonization 101. Um, when I tell you it was not only a humbling experience, but an empowering one um, and very spiritual one. I would say it was all of those um, because we were able to help people and meet people where they are, not where we want them to be, right? We're not coming in with the lens like, oh, despite our best intentions, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we still going to miss the mark, right? And then I was able to do just that. Like, so the, the program that we brought in was preliminary programming and that I was able to customize or tailor to their exact needs. And I had to go there to see. Right, the the phone calls, the 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 meetings, all of that, they ain't do nothing. It wasn't until I was able to see, I was like, oh, okay, right. We were able. We had we donated a plethora of reusable. Um, we had to donate. It was like a plethora of reusable sanitary napkins, mm-hmm. and so over here, you would like think reusable wait a second but there are right why would you do that well they have no sanitation system so they burn their trash so to take regular sanitary napkins over there you're now creating a biohazard because they're burning their trash right so you have to have something that is reusable that you can wash out that you can hang up that you can use again and several of those um you have to think about their particular needs from their lens and their resources that are not around them, right? Um, Same thing with like emergency response system. Their hospitals um, across the board, like there is no stat lab reports, yo. You got an issue, you better have some money to fly to the next country, you know, to get some immediate care. Other than that, you waiting 48 to 36, you know, 36, 48 hours to get some labs back on an emergency situation, 
right? So there are a lot of times where you, when we had this clinic where people were coming in with things that should have been seen in an emergency room. We diagnosed over 16 people with HIV in that 750 folks that we were able to service in the clinic, and a couple of them were young girls. So I, I just, the level of resources that are not there that need to be poured into that region are immense. But we're able to say, okay, what is it that you need right now? So when I talk about mental health, they said, well, mental health over here, what you mean? <laughs> we're just trying to survive. And that's for rich white people, right? Like when, I, when we talk about mental, that's why I didn't even say mental health. We don't even say, we talk about self-care. So when we talk, um, the one thing that is the same, no matter where you are in the world, because of the stigma attached to mental health and whatnot, is that um, when you think of mental health, when you think of psychoeducational groups, I don't say psychoeducational groups because you think psycho, you think what? There you go. So it's not even that, but those are just self-care groups. The only part of the groups are to what? Learn, understand, and utilize, right? And so with that, and we'll get to that later, but the whole point there is to understand the language. And so when I talk, I'm talking about self-care. I'm talking about, okay, let's pour back into you. What does that mean? Because people can understand that. People can understand that I have a whole plate and I'm not on my plate. And how can I make just a little bit more room for me? So that is what kind of kind of just like made the aha moment stick, that there are a lot of similarities, right? But there are a ton of differences. And if we go into a place like that with our westernized thinking, we're going to miss the boat. Just like if people come into our community despite their best intentions <laughs> on wanting to help us and we don't trust them, they're going to miss the boat. Right. It's the same thing. Mm. So that's powerful. I mean, I think thinking about these things in a global context, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, we, we get wrapped up mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. in what happens in mm -hmm. America. And it's, and it's not to say that clearly we got issues. Mm. <laughs> Look, 100, <laughs> period, issues. point blank. Oh, but understanding, like, these issues are, these, they, they transcend. Mm -hmm. they Globally. Yeah, they Globally. And so we've got to think about, you know, us also in a global context mm -hmm. from time to time, and how do how do we again? How do we model healing? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, around the world, and how do we how do we do that? So I, I appreciate you know hearing about that work and, and the work that you continue to do um, outside of this country. So let's talk healing black party. So all right, we got uh, we got some fun stuff doing. Let's we're really, let's talk about all the work, right? So you mm -hmm. do a whole lot of stuff. Whole lot of stuff. Dot com. Um, Community self care program. Dot com. To be right. specific. <laughs> and and this really is, you know, to the best of our abilities, comprehensive. And we're trying to ensure sustainability. So, yes. so for the folks, let's let's kind of break this down in in a, in a few different ways. Okay. There are a lot of different things that are happening that I don't, you know, in the self care mental health mm -hmm. realm of mm -hmm. things, just globally. Mm -hmm. um, and when I'm talking about global, I'm talking about in Kentucky and Louisville in mm -hmm. general, mm -hmm. right? It has been for decades mm -hmm. an underfunded under-resourced area of health, right? Um, and that is just 
literally from beginning to the end. Yes, right? absolutely. Everywhere you go, that is a truism. Yes. There, there's also been inside that some really, really bad and really, really damaging science in there, particularly when it comes to black people, mm-hmm. right? And the way in which we have thought about um, black people and our ability to mm-hmm. accept, to receive, mm-hmm. um, deal with mental health, mm-hmm. uh, but also just in terms of diagnoses in general. Listen, like, all right, let, let, let's talk about the bull. <laughs> let's, mean, let's talk about the reason why there's a stigma, okay? Yeah, because, I mean, there was a time in this country, and this is not just black, and this is not just black people, this is black and white people. There was a time in where folks had diagnosable mental illnesses, mm-hmm. and we just locked them away. Oh, right? uh, like, yeah. Like, we just literally mm-hmm. sent them places mm-hmm. to never be seen from, yeah. heard from again. Yep. And that is not a long time ago. That is in a in a in our very recent history as a country. Mm-hmm. Right? Like and so straight in the sixties. No yeah, joke, no right. lie. That's how the in the influx what what you're talking about is um is an example of that is the influx of diagnosis with bipolar and schizophrenia. Um and that really came during the um era of protesting and the height of that was in the sixties. So when you couldn't um legally arrest anyone else, right? What they were doing was um, not or saying that they were insane, right? Um, and committing them to psychiatric facilities. Um, exactly what you're saying, right? Um, and you'll see, even within the DSM, even within um, which is our Diagnostic Statistical Manual. Um, what are we on now, DSM? Fab Lord, Fab Lord. Fab Lord. Fab they, 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 they making, they, 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 they work in the six. They work in the six. Yeah. But, um, but y'all, these are like very thick books. Like just so you understand. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> that is every <laughs> right clinical diagnosis across the board. Um, but, uh, but in particular, within the sixties, there was a. Um, there was an increase in uh, criminalizing mental health, and that's where it started. It started in the 60s, um, where we were taking folks um, against their will and criminalizing that. And so that, in turn, um, with um, a lot of different things, um, has really added to the stigma that we have today. Right. And so we came out of that to an extent. Yeah. Um, and we started to realize, you know, all right, these things are treatable. Mm-hmm. Nothing is wrong with these <laughs> with these individuals. No, <laughs> we can do better. Like, <laughs> not insane. There were some investments. <laughs> Protesting that was is, made. is not an issue, right? And it's so, a right. But then, you know, probably in the last, I don't know, maybe uh, probably a decade mm-hmm. or so. In the last decade, we started to see the the clock turn back on that, and not so much that we believe. Uh, well, in some places, we do still actively criminalize it, um, criminalize mental health mm-hmm. issues. But now it's been that the funding has been so reduced um, so dramatically that, quite frankly, there's nothing, there's nowhere for people to go in lots of places. Which yeah, is why you yeah, often yeah. everything just say, under-resourced. So they're like, okay, fine. We can't do this. We can't do that. We can't lock them up no more for no reason. Now we're just not going to throw no money at right. all in but, any area. But unfortunately, what has ended up happening is mm-hmm. a lot of people are ending up being locked up, right? Yeah. Like, because they may commit some small crime mm-hmm. or whatever. And so you will hear people say all the time that, honestly, the largest mental health facilities in most cities and states are the jails. Are the jails. 100. Like, yeah, that's substance, substance abuse 101 can go into this particular category. We criminalize substance abuse across the board, but it is a mental health issue. issue. Mm. So that 
I'm just wanting to kind of level mm-hmm. set for for the audience so that you Absolutely. all understand like that is the landscape that we are. Mm-hmm. And that's before we get into the fact that there are generally very few mental health providers mm-hmm. who are a black mm-hmm. b actually understand what it means to care for and to treat black people mm-hmm. and c understand the relationship between trauma and mental health right and those are yeah. three different things and there say it again now say it again now say it again number being, one being black okay number two understanding how to treat black people all right and number and three understanding the, the connection between trauma mm-hmm. and mental health right mm-hmm. and so we would say if we're going you know so we would say the understanding the connection is being trauma informed mm-hmm. and being able to provide trauma informed care. care. Yes. Um, the other one would be being able to um, culturally competent, culturally competent <laughs> care. Yes. Right? And so there are people who can provide culturally competent care, but who may not necessarily know trauma informed and the opposite and they may or may not be black. Yes. And the other. Right. Yes. And so yes. Yes. that in and of itself, just in terms of the availability of people who understand all three or who represent all three of those things, mm-hmm. you're talking about a very, very small mm-hmm. um, portion of people. Mm-hmm. And then you add to that, mm-hmm. that mental health services generally aren't free. At all. And so you have to have insurance that covers that care. but Or money also, out of the pocket to pay it. Yeah. And that provider, mm-hmm. if you're talking about insurance, has to be able to accept insurance, mm-hmm. which is a whole other process. Yeah, because insurance don't like paying people. nobody. Like it's it's a very hard process to mm-hmm. to to, um, to be able to get to accept insurance. Mm-hmm. You got to go through this long application process mm-hmm. and review process that sometimes can take years for some people to do. Like so, again, this is the landscape of mental mm-hmm. health in Louisville, right? Like in Kentucky and a lot of other places, but specifically we can talk about this um, as it relates to Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So in walks the path forward, mm-hmm. understanding all of this. And we say like, all right, how do we cut through all the BS, right? Mm-hmm. How do we do the thing that we know that needs to, to happen, which is we need to get black people to qualified professionals who can provide culturally competent trauma-informed care. Mm-hmm. You tell me where we took off. So you described this, um, and um, I, if no one else paid attention, which I know everyone paid attention, but I certainly did. Um, during your, I won't say speech, but kind of speech, um, during the gala, right? Oh, the Lurvin, the Irvin Lee Gala. You described this as a spaceship. Right. And you describe this as a spaceship that, you know, we had to build first to take off. Right. So when it, when we think about mental our mental health programming, um, we had to do the same thing. Right. We have to meet people where they are and not necessarily where we want them to be in all ways. So that means that we have to start at a basic understanding level. Right. That we have to understand how to even connect 
these mental health concepts back to our lived experiences in our daily lives in order to make that connection, um, that continuous connection and move forward and understand the value in, oh, okay, wait a second, I may need a therapist. Not even understanding that the therapist may or may not be available, which we will get to that in a second, (laughs) Um, but um, that we need to make that connection and in order to reduce, because we're never going to eliminate stigma. Once people start tr- not mistrusting you, it doesn't. It, it takes a while to build back up trust. And you, in order to build trust, there has to be no hiccups along the way. And daggone it, there's always hiccups along the way, right? So when we think about that um, and we think about the producing of programming, um, we have to understand that we have to build that basic level of understanding and trust within our community. So The first level, first stage of that is the community self-care program. And the community self-care program does a couple of different things. We have two events, and then we have our meat and potatoes of a program, which is our self-care wellness groups. Now, the events, the first event was back in April, and that was our community leaders um, forum. And I love that forum because it really engages our community leaders on how to solve. We engage with them and, and, and ask them in a best case scenario, right? What do we need to solve for the mental health outcome or mental health issues that are impacting the people that you serve? Right. And then we have a whole long discussion about that one. And then we also during that, um, you know, um, also talk about the programming that we're going to have coming down the pipeline and whatnot and what we're already in. So we were able to do that. I love that because we're able to take those um, direct ideas and implement them into the programming that we build for subsequent years. Okay, so that's number one. Number two event um, that we have um, coming up is our Healing Block Party. And that is all things self-care and one free or reduced cost to our community. Listen, that Norton Sports and Learning Center is the perfect place for this type of event. This is our second annual Right. Um, this year we have our host Bella Ray will be hosting it. We have DJ Z Nice. We have Erica Denise and Entertainment coming in to have a performance during the time. We had last year we had about forty um, self care vendors, including mental health therapists and whatnot, all in the building. This year we have surpassed our um, goal from last year, and I think we're gonna have sixty five plus. In the building. (laughs) Oh, my. Um, Of different vendors um, um, that have, and about, I think it's about 95 to 98% black, right, of all vendors. Um, And we make sure that we don't charge people to make money or heal if we can. Um, And so in this essence, all our vendors, our tables are free. We give our vendors a six-foot table and two chairs. They're responsible for their setup, but they're able to come in and offer a service or a product within wellness um, to our community at either free or reduced cost to our community. Um, In addition, we have partnered with Play Cousins Collective. Um, We absolutely love them and all things Kristen over there. Um, She is awesome. And we have partnered with her um, to um, really take charge of our kids' zone area. And um, that's where they will watch the kids, right, come in. You can drop your kids off two years um, or older, 
right? So two years or older, you can drop your kids off while you go participate in self-care activities. They can play, right? We have some painting experiences, I think 130 to 2 and 230 to 3 um, during that time that will happen right outside the kids' zone. We also have some breakout sessions. We have Dr. Darlene Davis Goodwine, who is also part of our mental health advisory board that we'll, we need to highlight at some point. And... Um, she has a parent zone where she is, um, she's the CEO of parent zone where they really come in and give some really good resources directly to parents. And so she has a whole breakout session on discipline and emotional wellness. Right. Um, so she has that, um, and then we have tip it forward, right. We partner with them to come out. They have an NP five touch it's like a touch massage type training that we're going to make sure that we provide to our community. We have also partnered with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, we just did a lunch and learn on May 19th, and we're going to have another training um, on the day of the Healing Block Party as well. In addition to that, we have some games and some kickballs, right? So we can have we have games for the kids and our older kids and then our Young, our, our adults, you know, across the board, all skill levels are welcome. Um, but participants from that will receive a $25 gift card to our vendors, uh, or not the participants, but the winner of the um, kickball game. Stop playing. Um, that's how I, we will have um, a $25 gift certificate to one of our um, self-care vendors as well. Um, we, in addition to that, we have a live painter we have Kayla Morgan that's coming in, so you will see that live painting experience. We have some folks that are going to be doing massage, IV infusion therapy on site. Okay, come in and hook up. Look, last year y'all go to communityselfcareprogram.com. Y'all gonna see the pictures. I had a whole pole on the stage walking around like, what's up? Look, look, I had to get rejuvenated. Come on now, and I'm gonna do it again this year. Come through, come through. Um, in addition, we have an increased amount of our mental health wellness providers. We have some folks that are just determined um, to provide services directly to our community. And we want to make sure that we are able to um, support them in this effort as well. So the Healing Black Party is all things self-care. We have to tap into how we heal. Right. And this is how we heal. We heal by allowing us to have space. We heal by emotional um, wellness. We heal by um, uh, um, uh, providing areas and space for expression. Sometimes we just need to massage and get the energy out. You feel me? Like we got we, we got to dance. We got some fitness folks coming in, doing some different fitness sessions. We have it all. If you really want to think about all things self-care, this is the healing block party, right? So we really want to make sure that we focus on that. So come out, bring your kiddos. Don't and oh, and on top of that, we will provide each participant with a ticket so you can get free food from concessions. Oh my goodness, we are doing it all. So look, come on out, y'all. Look, we talk about celebrating life and moving forward and figuring this thing out. Let's do it together. So that's going to be Saturday, June 24th. Mm -hmm. Gordon Healthcare Sports and Learning Center. 12 to 5. On the Louisville Urban League Sports and Learning Campus. Y'all come out and join us. We will be there pretty much, what, all day? All day, day, 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. Let's go. So um, y'all come out and join us. 
uh, for what will be a really great time and a great opportunity for you to start your self-care journey um, if you have not already done so. And so we are looking forward um, to that. And so wrapping up, because um, I don't even know what we are on time. We are uh, probably not. We probably <laughs> way over. I'm sure. How not that bad. Okay. We got but, the self-care wellness groups. Yes. We're going to talk, yeah. talk about self-care wellness groups. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, that is a program. It is a series of cohorts mm-hmm. uh, that we have set up um, that fall into different categories. And really, mm-hmm. what it is, it is, I mean, for in very basic terms, it is kind of group therapy sessions. It's an opportunity for folks to come in together who are in like um, minded groups. Mm-hmm. We talk about what those are, but to be able to engage with one another, but to also be able to engage with two. Um, therapists um, over the course of eight weeks um, of really dedicated mm-hmm. and intentional time with them. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more about the uh, the groups and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we have different categories of folks that we are, of our black folks that we are um, very intentionally serving as black men, black women, LGBTQ+. We have our middle school and our high school. We had our soft lunch um, back in, I think, early... Uh, March, um, and our groups meet once a week for eight weeks, right? So each cohort is a two-month-long, right? Um, just once a week for eight weeks. So, And we offer them in different times during the week. So um, we have different groups, um, different groups of black men. One meets on Tuesday, Tuesdays only, right? Um, from 6.30 to 8. On Thursday only, 6.30 to 8. We also have Saturday. Um, we have a virtual group and an in-person group at 1 p.m. Um, and there are different or various locations in the city, right? So we have Creative Spirits Behavioral Health. We have The Groove, right? Where D-Mall turns the music down, right? Between 6.30 and 8 on Tuesdays and lets black men, you know, just kind of congregate and, and talk um, in a, a like a, a the private area upstairs, right? Um, same thing with, uh, um, I said, Creative Spirits Behavioral Health already. So Russell Place of Promise is another um, great partner. We have our black women's groups that meet there. Um, in addition, we have our Presley Post, where, you know, where we have some, some groups meeting there. And then Roots 101, absolutely love Mr. Collins um, and so we have our middle school and our high school groups that meet there on Saturdays 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Um, we're even opening up the uh, the possibility of a customized model of this where um, we have um, kind of partnered with some different groups to go in and just provide the services to their folks um, as well. Um, so that is, in essence, the community self-care wellness groups. We do have a curriculum, and with, with that curriculum, we just meet once a week for eight weeks. So we're talking about anxiety, depression. We're talking about racial trauma. we also talking about this thing called self-care, though, right? Um, and then not only are we going to talk about it, look, we're not just going to tell you to go do it. Right. Um, We're also going to give you a self-care swag bag and we partner with different businesses and whatnot to kind of pour back in. So it also gives you additional resources. So on top of the healing block party, you know, folks do also have like the self-care swag bags um, at the end of each group that they will also receive. So 
Um, and it is a co-facilitation model, like you said, right? So we do have one therapist and a community um, health worker um, of some sort, right? So it's either case manager, peer support, someone who works directly in the community or with that particular group um, that help to co-facilitate um, the, the sessions once a week for eight weeks. Awesome. And where can, people, where can people go sign up? Look, listen, com. All one word, okay? CommunitySelfCareProgram.com. All you got to do is scroll to the bottom of that page or click register now, and it will take you directly into the portal. You just sign in. And you can choose which group you would like to attend. For our adult groups, we do offer child care. So we have partnered with Play Cousins Collective, where we have offered free child care for these groups. So you can say and proactively say, you know, two weeks down the line, I'm going to have my kid with me and I'm going to need somebody to watch them. And we can provide that for you. In addition to that. We going to feed you. So why are we going to tell you, turn around, tell you, take out your time and everything else, come during lunchtime or come in the evening when it's dinner time and not feed you. So we do that as well. Um, so we try to remove the gaps that keep us from prioritizing ourselves. Right. And that is really what this entire community self-care program is about. Normalizing self-care, making sure that we really have that time for ourselves and you know, just engaging a little bit at a time. So, yeah, go ahead and sign up, y'all. Come on. And then the third cycle, third cohort starts the week after July 4th. So you still got time to sign up. Come on with it. That's right. Um, all right. So as we wrap up, one question I ask everybody um, is, what is your hope for Louisville? <sighs> Ooh, okay. You be having like these loaded questions, yo. You be asking people and then they got to pick one thing. My hope for Louisville is that we make space for ourselves to find whatever healing that we need to move forward. My hope for Louisville is that we're able to really um, dive into these systems that are not necessarily helping us and be able to transform those to sustain our healing journey. My hope for Louisville whew, is that we can begin to talk. <laughs> Amen to that. Um, listen, let me just say as we close out, um, you are um, just a phenomenal, uh, first, just phenomenal black woman, a phenomenal leader uh, in this space, a phenomenal advocate uh, for the community and for people, um, and just great at what you do. And so on behalf of the Urban League, um, as partners with you, but just for me, myself, and I, who gets to interact with you frequently and see you do what you do, thank you for the work. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for your commitment. Um, thank you for modeling uh, self-care for everybody, uh, for your family, for this community, for all of us who 
people get to watch and engage with you. Um, thank you for setting the example uh, for what it should be and what it should look like, both the good and the bad, the hard as well as the easy. Um, that means more probably than you realize because people see you um, and they know your story and they've seen what you've gone through um, and to be able to watch you um, model joy, model care, um, model compassion for yourself, for those around you, for your community um, is impactful. And that is as meaningful as any of the work that you'll get to do, that you do do, have done, I promise you, uh, because more people will see that than will ever walk into one of your therapy sessions. Mm -hmm. um, and so that impact is, is exponential and will be a lot for generations. And so thank you for that and thank you for joining us here on the pod. We will certainly uh, have to do this. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I ain't even all the accolades. Well, look, I'm just glad I got access to you and I can text you and be like, look, listen. <laughs> always, always. And ladies and gentlemen, that is Listen Up, the Little Urban League Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you for joining us here uh, this week. Come out and see us at the Young Black Party this weekend. Uh, but find us on the radio, uh, 101.9 FM, 1240 AM, WLLV, Thursdays from 12 to 1230. Or find us anytime in any place wherever you get your favorite podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate us, review, to review us, and let us know what you think. My name is Linda Pryor, I'm the President and CEO of the Louisville Urban League. It has been my pleasure. I hope that you are safe. I hope that you are well. I hope that you are whole. Mm -hmm. Y'all take care. We'll see you next week. Yep. Urban League's Kentuckiana Bills program is your introduction to the skills trades that lead to careers in construction, plumbing, electrical, carpentry, and HVAC. This six-week hands-on and technical education program provides training for job seekers to earn three national credentials, JCTC credit, all while connecting employers with a qualified, skilled workforce. This innovative partnership is funded by Kentuckiana Works and the Kentucky Education and Workforce Development Cabinet. For more information, visit lul.org backslash jobs. The Louisville Urban League wants to make sure that every student thrives academically. And to make that possible, the league is offering free intensive tutoring to JCPS students who qualify. Kindergarten through 12th grade students can receive expert help in reading, math, and ACT prep. Kids like me deserve every opportunity to succeed and to reach our greatest potential. Sign your student up today 
to learn more, visit lul.org or call 502-585-4622.